I'm Garrick Willis, and you're listening to The Monarchist. Rain on. Hey, Monarchs, we are back to wrap up this football season and kind of move on and talk about the future. So, Gary, Aaron, how y'all feeling today? Well, I'm an old dude and didn't go out last night, so I feel wonderful. I've been up for a couple hours, already worked out, looking forward to going out and getting something to eat at Bay Local, and... uh we got a whole year of Old Dominion sports ahead starting 2024. Yeah, I, I didn't go out last night, but I definitely got after it. I don't I do not do the, the New Year's crowds, but Happy New Year's, boys. Um, glad, to, glad to be wrapping up football here and starting to look at, at everything that's coming up in the spring. Um, and, of course, we got to talk a little bit of basketball, too, I think, as well. Yeah, so – we never got to wrap the bowl game up. We tried technical difficulties, and we had to do it all over again. So what were your thoughts on the bowl game and this season, Aaron? Yeah, before I'll let Gary get technical, but the uh, non-technical stuff, yeah, it was a fun trip down to Charlotte. It was the first time that I'd been to University of Charlotte. Um Enjoyed the trip down there. Mike and I watched the game from the sidelines and was able to get some cool video and really get a nice feel of the game pre-game and, you know, during and, you know, also after the game. I mean, it was it was a day full of emotion from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows. And as, as high as everybody was early on, we've been there a few times this football season. As we wrap it up, we'll probably talk about that a little bit, but um, I can't say that we were super surprised uh, along with a couple of the you know, kind of mainstream media guys that were there filming on the sidelines with us. Uh, unfortunately, that game didn't go the, didn't end the way we wanted to, but, but it did cap a fun season that this program made a lot of progress with, and I'm super excited for 2024. Uh, Old Dominion football season, I think that we've got really, a uh, really bright future ahead. I mean, aside from the second half of the game, it was just kind of a perfect trip, right? We, we go to Billy's the night before. Um, we completely drank them out of, I think, Miller Light, Coors Light, uh, and they were putting cups on keg taps the entire time that we were there. I think they were happy to see us all finally leave after an Oklahoma drill. It was a good time there, but yeah, the, the second half, man, I mean, that's just an encapsulation of our entire season. Like we've, we've seen that play out time and time again. Uh, we went up 28 to nothing and everyone in the OD section was super excited. And I turned around, I was like, uh, that needs to be 35 or 42 just so I can feel comfortable as I was not comfortable even up 28 to nothing. You could feel the momentum start to swing when we missed that field goal right before halftime. Like, I think we, we needed that as, like, the final shot in the arm to come out and finish them off. And that didn't happen, and then a whole host of things went wrong that entire second half. Um, would have been really nice to have that as our winning season, V7 and 6. I think that carries you a little more momentum. But, um, yeah, I mean, football sucks sometimes, and it definitely sucked in that second half. Well, you guys not only drank Boardwalk Billies out of uh, a couple of our favorite 
affordable beers, but y'all did the same damn thing at the alumni tailgate the next day. I think by 1245, the Coors Lighter Miller Light was tapped as well. It was quite an impressive feat by Monarch Nation. Oh, I mean, there was no beer or seltzers left with like an hour and a half to go in the tailgate. Like I, I'm so proud of ODU fans going down there getting after it. They did bring more beer, and they kept bringing more beer and more beer. Uh, and then the, I think they were out again by the time I walked back over. But it wasn't for a lack of effort. They they had a lot of alcohol there. We were just going right through it. All right, for me, I guess wrapping up this season, I'm still happy. We just we figured it out this year. We saw definitely better football this year, but. We didn't really have that hope for the prior year of like, oh, this they're going to figure it out. We had that all season. We competed. I'd love to have that JMU game back, rerun that back and see. Because we could have won this 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 division, right? It was not that that unrealistic, right? No, I mean, think Coastal, think Marshall, and JMU. I mean, that's yeah, and that's we wouldn't even need it all three of those. <laughs> and this is a team no one expected to be competitive. Yeah, I'm just trying to appreciate that because we haven't had many seasons like this to appreciate. Yeah, just appreciative. Yeah, I think that's the message. That was the message I was trying to get across as well. Is I think a lot of our a lot of our friends are getting too caught up in the six and seven record and how it's another quote unquote losing season. But we need to take a look a look at the journey that this program is on. There is a very, very clear difference between last season and this season and what not only the team with its record, but what the coaching staff has been able to kind of build upon and I feel very comfortable and confident that in 2024 they're going to be able to take the next step you know we're going to have a year of continuity where it looks like we're not going to have a ton of turnover with regards to the coaching staff I know we've had one recent uh, turnover but it feels like that's probably a mutual parting between both sides and we have less questions in the quarterback room so we've got guys that are going to be back. Well, as of right now, you know, things could change, obviously, in the, the spring. But guys that are in this system for more than a year now. So I think there's I think there's all kinds of possibilities for next year. But let's enjoy, enjoy the journey and the process. Not be so worried about the end of the hike and being at the, the top of the mountain, but how you get there. And this should feel a lot different than last season felt at the end. I agree with you, Mike. There's there's actual good feelings and hope is the wrong word, but there's understanding of kind of where this program is going because the year before, I don't I don't know that we had any good feeling of how that season was ending and what next season would look like. And now we've had two years or two bowls in three years. And now next year, we have to raise the bar of our expectations. Six and six next year is not good enough in the regular season. We need to be hitting eight plus wins next year. And as of today, we still have a very tough schedule 
ahead of us, but there's a lot of opportunity in the Sun Belt with all of this turnover that's going on in this league right now. And we should have a lot of experience returning for once next season. So usually a good combination. Yeah, let me. I want to make one thing clear to a lot of folks that listen to us. I don't want to speak for you, Gary, or for you, Mike, but I want to make it clear that I, I don't think that long term that it's. I'm certainly not happy as a 500 squad long term, but I understand the process and the journey, and I'm okay with where we are now with relation to where we have been. But I'm 100% on board with what you're saying there, Mike. Is if we have the same results we had this year, next year that would be a disappointment and that would not make me happy we're not like settling for mediocrity but understanding that this is you know this is not a linear process and there's growth and there's all kinds of reasons why we've kind of been up and down so i fully expect next year to be eight plus wins and if not when we're having this discussion next year i have a feeling that it'll be a whole different tone i i look at six and six for us next year as our floor like this year i think very few people thought we win more than three games. I mean, Vegas had us at three and a half. Some people had us at two wins. And so like our floor was kind of two or three wins and our ceiling was six or seven. And we were a lot closer to the ceiling and we had opportunity to go well beyond that ceiling. So I, my expectation next year is that this, the floor is six and six. Like we're, we're checking off bowl eligibility with a couple weeks to go and we're Woohoo! Yay, we're going to a bowl, but we have much bigger goals still in front of us. Like that's that's the way I look at next year, and I think that the pressure and the accountability um, is going to be there with that expectation. So I, I don't think there's a world where it's not going to get really really hot if we're if we're under six wins. Like that's that you're having very different conversations. And some other cool stuff has happened since the bowl. We officially announced we're members with S-A-N-I-L and the Pride of ODU Collective. We thought long and hard about this before we went forward with this contract. But from the very beginning of starting this podcast and what the Monarchist is, it was all about giving back to ODU. And this allows us to do that. We're going to have our costs covered, so this becomes a sustainable show. And if we do really well, you guys keep listening, you guys keep visiting the website, we could give even more back to ODU. Very excited about this deal. Fellas? Yeah, I, man, it's, it's super exciting. We've got all kinds of ideas on how to give back to Old Dominion. Old Dominion student-athletes, the Old Dominion community. Folks have seen a taste of that on what we've done with Dollars for Dingers the last few years, with Toys for Tots that we've done the last few years. Um, obviously, the, the stuff that we do with ODAF is not you know, nearly as transparent, just like any, any other person's uh, ODAF donations. But this really does give us an opportunity to take it to a whole new level. With some other folks may have seen or may not have seen as our first partnership off of that deal with SANIL and the Pride of ODU Collective is the deal with Roback. If you listen to our last podcast, you may have heard that spot right in the middle of the podcast. So I know that Mike is a huge fan of Roback. I am now. I didn't know a whole heck of a lot before we started talking about that partnership, but man, their polos and their pullovers are pretty sweet. 
I know I've got a couple of them now. And shameless plug, if you go to Roback.com and you find stuff that you like, if you use the code MONARCHS at checkout, you get 20% off. And then something goes back to the Pride of ODU Collective, which is super cool. It's it's exciting stuff. I know we've been kicking around for, for a little while now and kind of figuring out how we can best help the program. I think we're, we're seeing that through the, the transfer portal, but really this partnership is happening because of everyone who listens to the podcast, everyone who goes to the website. Your interest in this and your kind of loyalty to us and listening and subscribing and checking out the, the recaps and blog posts and roster churn that's up there. Uh, that's the reason that this is possible. I mean, December was a crazy month for website traffic. Like we exceeded a pretty important and, and big number in terms of visitors per day and visitors per month. Uh, so thank you to everyone who is listening and everyone who's gone to the website and interact with us on social media. The fan engagement is the reason why this partnership was possible. So thank you. So the way they do these deals is whatever ad revenue they sell, they're going to give you a, a share of those ads. We were offered a, what, 40% share of the ads sold on this podcast with S-A-N-I-L, and we're taking half. Less than half. Yeah. We're doing that so we can f- help the collective even more because that means more money is going to stay with the collective. Well. Oh. We've got a lot more on the horizon. This partnership allows us to continue to operate the business side of things as a nonprofit. So any money we happen to stumble into from this partnership and some of the things that are on the horizon for us all get kicked back to either the pride of ODU or ODAF. Uh, So our goal is just to continue to to pump money into the programs. But talking about why it's important, NIL, we've seen a that has had a huge impact on our team, but also teams all over the country. And if you're not at least a little bit competitive in that space, you're you're out in the cold. I mean, you've got huge power five teams losing guys to NIL deals to other schools. And this at least puts us in, in contention with the people that we compete with for recruits in the Sunbelt and other area schools. So driving driving money to that NIL is is critical and you're seeing why right now. Yeah, that's that's one of the things that we're really excited about um, having this deal with SANIL and being partnered with the Pride of ODU is really getting out to the folks that listen to this show, the folks that interact with us at games, all of our fellow fans, because that's the three of us. That's what we are. This, you know, this show is for fans by fans is letting people know about the collective and why you should join. And I know we've got a lot of questions from folks on that of not completely understanding everything yet. We're going to be able to have some some answers and some more details to that in the not-too-distant future to really educate folks. But we want to grow the, the pride, but not to have a you know a bad pun there, but get as many folks as we can to, to join the collective with us. They've got all kinds of different levels, as low as $10 a month. And... The larger that we can grow our group of folks, the more competitive we are. I have no doubt that we could be the strongest collective in our conference. And we got to look at who we're really competing against initially. And the conference has got to be the first place that you're competing against. And then obviously G5 as a whole after that. 
we're never going to be able to compete against the the Alabamas or the LSUs. They're they're not the people that we are competing against for NIL dollars. If they want to pay somebody, they're going to pay somebody. We're, we're never going to get there. But what we can control is being in the strongest position within our conference and the folks that are competing for student athletes to come. And I know that we can get there. I think we're already on the right track, but as a group, we as a whole, all of our friends and, and Monarch Nation, we've got to support this. Yeah. There's a lot we need to clear up with NIL. I mean, there's it's just so complicated. Uh, we were told earlier this week with the, one of the toughest parts about dealing with this portal is people can reach out and make those commitments before the kid is in the portal. But what is really stopping them from having to follow through? Once the kid's in the portal, he has zero leverage. That is a such a good point that you throw out there, Mike. And, and it is. It's all about leverage. I, I was just thinking about this, mor- this morning as I was working out. And there's lots of things that get thrown out to these student-athletes there who are trying to make the best decision for themselves and their families. Some of them are making these decisions based upon where they think they're going to have the best opportunity to play. Some are making it based on academics. Some of them are basing it on money, pure and simple, because maybe their family really needs it. We don't know. Sometimes it's a combination of of all three. And I think as fans, we have to be very careful and we should be very uh, understanding when student athletes make decisions of that they're going to potentially leave and go somewhere. But really, what really sucks, though, is some of these student athletes getting really piss poor advice from people, some who care about them, some who don't have ulterior motives. Because, Mike, you're absolutely right. The kid goes into the portal, for the most part, they're kind of in a no man's land because programs have to move on. If someone goes in the portal at University of Umpty Squat, that coaching that coaching staff has to start looking for a replacement, assuming that they're not fat in that position. But most likely, they're probably looking looking for a replacement there. And now that the student athlete is in the portal, what they've been told by said school of what they're promising them, you know, what what could be paid to them, you know, may or may not happen. There may have been fine print, and once their spot is gone, and you see that at most schools when someone goes in the portal, like they weren't playing in bowl games, they're essentially out there trying to find a landing spot. And fortunately or unfortunately, we have a lot of folks who, who do talk to us, players, coaches, administrators, people in the media. We hear lots of things, and we know for a fact that what's being sold to some of these guys is not what's actually happening. They end up someplace, and that deal that they heard that they were going to get, you know, whatever it is, and with some of these P5 schools, the numbers thrown out are pretty big. And then they show up, and they go, oh, yeah, well, remember what we said we were going to pay you? Well, we still might pay you that, but you have to earn your starting spot. Um, you're going to have to play an X number of snaps, and shit, your blood type needs to be O positive. And so 
not everyone went away that thought they were going to get stuff and that was promised stuff to them actually is. Another thing that I really thought about is our coaching staff knows our players the best. They know who fits what we're doing. They know what their strengths and weaknesses are. They know what their plans are for them in the following year to get them coached up. They know how much they're going to play. And they're probably the most honest with our players of where they're going to be and what their opportunities are. And schools that are trying to get people to come in aren't necessarily as open and honest. It's a sales pitch. It really is. So it upsets me sometimes because we see players come back in the offseason that are still friends with dudes that are here. And we've heard multiple times over the last few years, I wish I didn't go. It wasn't what I was told. It wasn't how it was supposed to play out. But unfortunately, it's too late at that point. These are those some of those NIL deals, especially if they're not signed. They're more like uh, base or uh, they're more like football contracts instead of baseball contracts. Like you know, baseball, it's all guaranteed money. Once you sign it, that money is yours. Football is kind of like it could be this, but if you don't make the active roster or you don't play a lot of snaps, you're going to get five percent of it. We can cut you anytime. That's probably how people need to look at these NIL deals that are going out. They are not guaranteed in any way, shape, or form, and you better sign it and make sure it's ironclad before you make your decision. Because if you're going on a, a verbal offer, that's not a that's not going to be a, a smart move for you. I mean, you could look at the guys that transferred out of ODU last year. Like, who played a lot? Was it Blake Watson and Hayden Wolf? Those are really the only two that got any kind of considerable playing time, and it all depends on what you're looking for or if you get cut. Some guys just get cut, but make sure if you're leaving for money that you got that thing ironed out. Otherwise, you're going to be somewhere you don't necessarily want to be making zero money. And here's one tip from a guy who does a lot of negotiation for in real life is if you get an offer from some other place, go to your current – we'll just call it – you know, like I – if Gary – you know, so you work where you work, all right? If some other company comes to you and they make you an offer where it's going to be 20% more than where you go, the first thing I would do, assuming that you're happy with where you're at, is going to be you're going to go to a decision maker within your organization. You're going to say, hey, I got this great opportunity, but they're, going to, they're paying me 20% more. So what can you do? Give them an opportunity to match it or beat it if you're happy with where you're at. And I think some of the, the guidance that some folks get is, hey, once you once you do this, you know, you can't look back. You can't whatever. Um, and so if it's a business move, if it's a business move for some of these student athletes, you know, then ask that question. And I guarantee you that the collective or whoever's making those decisions will be honest with you. They're either going to match it or they're going to tell you, hey, that's a great deal. You need to take it. No wrong. But at least ask the question, who knows your value better than where you're at? What's up, Monarch Nation? This is Aaron from The Monarchist. We'll have more about this on an upcoming episode, but as some of you may have seen, we signed on as partners with SANIL and the Pride of ODU Collective. We did this largely to keep the show free for fans and make it a self-sustaining project as it can get pricey to bring you this content. Even better, this allows fans another way to help the university. 
With every ad read we had, that means dollars for the collective. So just by listening or visiting our website, you are helping our student athletes. Another great perk of this partnership is our new relationship with Roback. Roback makes some of the most comfortable polos and pullovers on the market, and they look sharp. Right now, with code MONARCHS, our listeners can receive 20% off their order, and with each sale with that code, a commission will go to the pride of ODU. So you save money on great clothing while supporting our student-athletes. Just use code MONARCHS at checkout, get 20% off, and help ODU thrive. Thanks, and enjoy the rest of the show. Well, in my day-to-day job, I I deal with that quite a bit, both people moving around, contract negotiation, all that stuff. And you're absolutely right. You need to see all your options and you need to leverage them against each other to to at least know everything that's possible that's out there on the table, especially if you're happy where you are and you've got the ability to start. Like if you are here and you're starting and you know you're going to win your starting job, um, you know, you got to you got to at least make sure the money's right if you're going to go take that risk. So like the money has to equal the risk you're taking to possibly set your career back. But on, on the subject of NIL and transfers, if you haven't yet, you do need to go to odumonarchist.com and look at the churn blog post that Mike is keeping updated for us. I was kind of hoping to chat through some of the transfers in, transfers out, and then uh, the results of signing day. Yeah, let's do it. I, this year has been kind of different for us with recruiting because we've had this Q&A. We've been able to talk with some of these players and get a better idea of who they are as people. So it, it's this has been a really cool process this last recruiting season for me. Not just you, man. I mean, I've really enjoyed what you started here and, and what we continue to to build, both from guys that are, you know, are – graduating or have graduated and folks who have just decided to make a move to go to another school but what's most exciting to me is the dudes that are coming in for the high school guys and the transfers in and being able to connect with them and get to know them a little bit better and get to introduce them to monarch nation uh everything from the the questions that you've crafted but to their favorite photos like some of them have sent us pictures from high school that they really like or their recruiting photos here. So it's really cool to kind of get a chance to meet these guys before they're actually enrolled on campus. It's It's been really, really, really fun process this year. Yeah, and, and with how bad things have gotten for places like 24-7 and on three and all of those recruiting services is they just they, they have to dedicate the resources they have to the Power Five. So really the only place that you can find like true updates and kind of a real time picture of what's going on with our roster is at odumonarchist.com and the awesome work that Mike is doing to to keep that thing updated because it's a lot, especially around this week of signing day. That was that was pretty crazy. We're glad to do that because it gives me a clearer picture because I can't keep track of everything on social media. I know most people can't. So having that one stop shop is is huge. So if you haven't checked that out yet, you should. You should bookmark it and just check it every day because we're updating things about as fast as we get the information. All right. So th- this class is pretty interesting. If we're looking at it right now, we have the 18 freshmen signed. And if you look, there's one guy who's listed as a corner, but every other guy they introduced was either a DB or safety. 
So we got to assume most of these guys are there's one, two, three, five safeties in this class. And uh, someone asked, why, why are we signing so many safeties? And I really think this is a planning step for them. Because next year, I think there's six seniors and like eight juniors. And all of them play. And we know with juniors, if you're a rising junior, you have your last year, you could probably hit the portal. I don't think that's safe to say at this point. But yeah, five safeties, a DB, and a cornerback all in one class. I think that was a good planning step for them. Yeah, I think it helps us kind of refill what we know we are losing this year too. I mean, Terry Jones is gone. Like we, our our defense runs with three safeties. We have three safeties on the field. So, you know, Terry Jones is gone. We know Taj went into the portal uh, this week. Uh, so as it stands right now, Sean Asbury would be the only returning safety that we have from that core. L- losing a leader like Terry is is really tough. Taj did a great job in run support. Um, but there are some other guys chomping at the bit that may be able to help in, in some coverage aspects there that we got to see throughout the season with you know, Ashton Whitner and Marcus Knight. Uh, we got a lot of young talent, and I think they are, they're pushing up quite a bit, and that could be why you're seeing some of the, this churn in the safety position, but I'm glad to see it locked up because it's a critical part of our defense. Yeah, I don't know. What jumps out to you about this class, Aaron? As I look at it, the first thing I notice, I'm going to go to the other side of the ball. I see one running back. So I don't know if that means that we're uh, going to wait for the spring to see what we've got or we're just really happy with what we have. And I'm going to default to say we're happy with what we have right now. But that being said, things change so much and so fast that I don't really know there. I mean, what do you guys think about the running back position? Because clearly it's an important, very important part of our offense of being able to efficiently and effectively run the ball. Uh, I, I feel good with what we're bringing back at running back next year. I, I think Roche, I know the coaching staff is really high on him, and that's why they only played him in four games this year to kind of give him that extra year of eligibility. With that one-two punch of Wicks and Roche, along with you know really everybody else who's in that running back room, I think that was our deepest position going into last season. I think it'll continue to be kind of our deepest position, uh, aside from maybe quarterback. Yeah, and the way I look at it, I think – so we're, we le- we're losing two running backs, right? Kadarius and Alex. But Alex was a walk-on, right? So I believe technically, so, yeah. as long as we bring in Morky, who we signed already, and then we bring in a walk-on running back, we're even Stevens at that position. It's t- obvious to everyone that O-line is going to be the difference maker next year. If we can shore up the offensive line, that is what is needed to take that jump that we all want to see to eight-plus wins. And the center we got from Valdosta State, Michael Marotta, looks to be a great replacement for Xavier Black, where we might even see some improvement at the center position. Yeah, I think our offensive success next year starts and stops with the O-line. The play there was definitely has a lot of room for improvement across the entire offensive line. I think we've we've done a good job so far in the portal, and they're not done getting people out of the portal. 
Zachary Barlev, the offensive lineman that's coming in from Illinois, uh, will likely have a really good chance to start as well. Um, I would love to see a couple more and then a couple more guys that have been in hut system for a full year kind of develop and step forward. Like we still have a lot of depth in terms of numbers of people at the O-line position. So I'm not worried about not having a person to put there, uh, but somebody needs to emerge from the last two recruiting classes that are huge or the last two transfer cycles. And someone needs to step up and go take a starting position because we, we have got to build that, that O-line. Otherwise, nothing we do offensively is going to work. No, big time. That's so key. Um, let's stay on the side of the ball real quick. So we had a couple wide receivers. They were wide receivers of note throughout. I mean, Javon Harvey transferred out. You know, Javon was very impactful at times. And the guy that I think at least a couple of us, I think I was one of them that thought would be breakout player of the year, Jordan Bly gone as well but Jordan didn't really make much of an impact at all this season the wide receiver wise we've got a couple coming in uh, but we got dudes that I think really made good impacts this year that you know only going to grow next year so that that position I feel pretty comfortable with too um before we move on to tight ends what do you guys think about the wide receivers I just want to see the wide receivers that we have I think we have a boatload of talent in that room they just really need to hone in on understanding our offense and our route concepts. If you look at the bowl game in that second half, or really, honestly, throughout the whole bowl game and really the last couple of games, quarterback and receiver have not looked like they're on the same page. So if a receiver has an option route, I don't know if it's the receiver making the wrong read on the DB, the quarterback, uh, but there were times when receiver went one way, ball went the other, and it just didn't seem like they were in sync as much as they should be and coach Rodney's come on here and told us that this offense runs better in the second year because everyone's got a full year under their belt and they get it and they're more in sync as long as you have continuity which it looks like we're going to have a lot of continuity on the offensive side but I want to see those receivers with their head in the playbook and taking as many reps as possible with Grant and Colton and Jack and whoever else just to get that better feel and more fluidity there because that will help us considerably in the passing game, if we can get those guys in lockstep. And Aaron wanted to go to tight ends after this, right? Well, yeah, and I think we talked about this position a decent amount throughout the year. Uh, one being, you know, people were asking, like, we don't use tight ends. We're not using them, blah, 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 blah. Well, we used them more heavily this year in a blocking, you know, the blocking schemes. And they played huge that position played a huge role in when we had success running the ball or let's talk about what we think that we've got coming back obviously we don't see any tight ends coming in on our churn i'm not sure if that was by design but let's talk about that for just a second well Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Jalen Butler is the only returning tight end. Um, Isaiah Spencer was the only one that really played, and uh, and he's you know that was his sixth year. He's he's graduated and out. Surprised, but not surprised. He didn't bring in a tight end. Like I think we want to, and I think we need to. Um, Here's a yeah. Go ahead, Mike. 89. I think Dunbar. He's still on the team. Quan Dunbar. He was a freshman that came okay. in last All year. Okay. Right. So we'll we'll have two. But... Um, I think. I saw him at the bowl game. That dude's a monster. If they can develop him, 
to be what Jalen Butler is, it's it could be pretty sweet having those two guys on the field next year. But yeah, they're going to have to build some depth back at this position, at a position that we're, the way we're currently using it is not a very – it's not a position that guys are just jumping at to go and be run-blocking tight ends. Yeah, and we don't currently have a tight ends coach either. Uh, that was the one coaching change that was made, and maybe you're seeing the results of that with what's coming in from a recruiting perspective. But there are still some pretty good tight ends in the portal. It's just you, you, you nailed it, Mike. Like, it's not an easy sell to play tight end at Old Dominion unless you just love to block, which you know, I'll profess my love for Jalen Butler all day long and the things he does in the run game for us. And he's picked it up in the in the receiving game as well. I mean, he's had some big plays, and I, I imagine they want to expand that. But I, I do think we'll end up landing a, a, a tight end out of the transfer portal for depth, for if nothing else. Yeah, you need depth because of the way these guys are playing, all that blocking, it's a very tough position all the Dominion to play tight end. Aaron, recruiting, you got anything else? Uh, I think we talk about linebackers, right? Yeah, I mean we we do we've got what uh, one two. one coming in from high one school JUCO. and two. I two. think Nyland Jones is a JUCO. Okay, and I he had offers to Southern Miss and Louisiana Tech and uh, Monroe, I believe. He's a little short, but getting a guy from Louisiana being recruited by those schools. That's a recruiting win. I'm excited to see him because I, having seen a lot of football in Mississippi, those dudes know how to play football. There's a reason those bad Southern Miss teams are still competitive with everybody. That's because there's a lot of good football being played in Louisiana. Yeah, I'm less concerned with height on my linebackers than I am on my corners. And it's not like Jason Jason Henderson is, you know, not six four, so yeah. that's one position I think we're we're feeling pretty decent with it linebacker. Assuming, would, yeah, assuming Jason has there, a very successful but, rehab and is back, you have him. You have Mario Thompson who played extremely well this year when he had opportunities, and Koa, who also had played very well at linebacker when he had opportunities, and of course we have EJ Green probably returning um, at this point. So if you have him back and healthy, you have a pretty good linebacking core. And EJ can play that bandit position that we kind of desperately need on the defensive side. So having him back will be, will be nice. But I think the only transfer portal that entry for ODU that came as a surprise and I think legitimately hurts us is Wayne Matthews. Him going in the portal kind of out of nowhere was was surprising to see. I um, mean, I'm sure he has his reasons. You know, he was the kind of the true underdog story of like a two-star recruit that didn't have any offers, came here, and he went from, you know, a, a depth guy to a superstar. Uh, so he's, he's going to do well wherever he goes. I don't know if you completely replace a guy like Wayne Matthews. Like, luckily, we are deep there, and we have some guys that can step in, but they're going to have to take some big step forwards, I think, to fill Wayne Matthews' shoes because Wayne was good. He was the next Jason Henderson, and I think he will continue to, to go down that path wherever he ends up. And maybe he comes back. He could still come out of the portal. 
Yeah, so that rant that I went on earlier about knowing your value and asking the question. Ask the question. Yeah. Is there a position you want them to focus on moving forward? O-line, O-line, O-line. Well, in addition to O-line, anyone say O-line? Um, we got to get some pressure on quarterbacks. If we if we continue to play the same defensive scheme, we've got to be a little bit more effective of being able to make the quarterback uncomfortable at times, at least. This season, quarterbacks, opposing quarterbacks, just had, as Gary likes to say, what, uh, uh, bake a cake back there or something like that. There was just a... We need to at least have quarterbacks feel like they may get pressure so they're thinking about it pre-snap already, that they're just not comfortable. Because I imagine after nearly an entire game of not having anyone near you, you're not worried about it when you're getting ready to take that snap. You're serving a defense, but you're not worried about speeding stuff up. You're just being able to concentrate on exactly what you need to do as opposed to knowing these guys have been on my ass all game long and they're probably going to be through and I just have a very short amount of time to be able to make a decision and get the ball out of my hands. I look at our offense. When there's a lot of pressure, our offense can't go. Routes don't develop. Quarterback's got to move, stop the progression. We need to be able to do that on the defensive side of the ball with someone from our front three or if we have a four-man front, someone in our front four. Because really any time that we rushed three and dropped eight we got eaten alive uh there's a lot of room for mistakes you have to cover for a very long time uh, and we saw that on the tying touchdown at western kentucky there was some confusion on who had the running back coming out of the backfield we've got a fourth and i don't know how long we'll call it fourth and towson and you know running back goes on a wheel route and there's no one within 15 yards of them there and for a touchdown so yeah build the trenches i think that's been the theme the last five, six weeks from everybody here is we have to build those trenches. We have to get bigger because there are some beast offensive and defensive lines in the Sun Belt, and we need to be able to beat some of them and not be constantly on our heels. Yeah, that's a good place to go. Trenches. Always build the trenches. You're seeing it in bowl games right now, by the way. The teams that have been able to keep a lot of their O-line intact have been winning these bowl games, even if the skill position players have gone in the portal. Like I look at like Arizona and Oklahoma, like Oklahoma, I think had four new starters on the offensive line and they started a true freshman quarterback and he just got crushed the entire game. Um, there's several like that. We might, may see it play out again today with uh, Iowa and Tennessee. But if you, if you have a strong O line, a strong D line, you can have some flexibility with your skill position players can also make a third string quarterback look really good in the second half. I'm not crying. A tall, lanky third string quarterback. Not a coach's son. A baby deer that just ran all over its opponents. Yeah, he went back. He pulled himself out of the portal. I mean, he's got to be the starter next year, right? Because, I mean, Reed's gone. The uh, the nepotism hire is uh, not not going well. So <laughs> it, 
And I'm happy it isn't because it happens too often in football. All right. Well, Mike, Gun- Mike Gundy's son is in the portal from Oklahoma State. He played a little bit in their bowl game. So we want to get Mullet Jr. He's available. I'm good. Me too. <laughs> All right, fellas. So later this week, we're going to have a chance to sit down with uh, Jay and Alex from the collective. Very excited about that conversation. Uh, hope to learn more about how all the hurdles I had to jump through to get to this point. Really interested to talk with them. Yeah. I imagine they could share more about how certain things are set up from a cost perspective for both the school and for the NIL and where that money is going, how it's determined. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to hearing from them uh, later this week. Yeah. So if you're, if you're listening right now and you've got questions, I know, we put it out on our social before, but if you've got questions for the collective, shoot them to us. Go shoot them to us via Twitter or X, whatever it is now. That's probably the easiest way. Or if you're on our Facebook group, you can do it there. Um, but we'll try to ask the questions that we can, or they'll answer what they can. But hopefully, was like we can get a little bit more, uh, a little more education for everybody on exactly what the latest and greatest is with the collective, and kind of get folks to get more comfortable. Those who haven't joined yet, so we can crush this and start growing it as much as we can. The membership. I think that about does it. Do we want to drop the announcement for the spring? I think we do. Oh. So there's been a lot of questions, you guys, about on social media asking us, what's going on with baseball? What's going on with baseball? Well, we have good news for you. Gary, why don't you share it? Yes, starting later this month, we will be launching the third podcast on the Monarchist Podcast Network is what I'm going to refer to it now. C.B. Wilkins and I will be having a baseball podcast for ODU Baseball throughout the entire spring. So excited to do that, get you some more great baseball information, uh, interviews with players, all of that good stuff. Uh, have CB on there, who is really, really close to this program, knows it inside and out uh, to be a, a nice expert for us there and, and make those connections. So I'm excited for it. We don't have a, a, a release date yet, but we start playing. I think it's February 16th is the, the home opener against George Washington. So we will definitely have a, a couple episodes out for you by the time we start playing. But I'm, I'm excited for baseball season. I'm excited for warmer weather and uh, getting to see where these guys are at going into 2024. Dude, I'm so hyped to have this new podcast and the uh, Monarchist Podcast Network, as you called it, that, Gary. Um, we're huge fans of Old Dominion Baseball, hanging out at the Bud, and it's going to be super exciting to be able to you know share more with Monarch Nation. I know in the past, and we've you know shared a lot of updates on twitter and video and different sorts of things which we've got great feedback from parents of players who aren't in the local area that really has helped them keep up with what's going on with you know with their sons playing baseball so this is just going to be another avenue to be able to kind of bring monarch nation parents and student athletes together and get more eyes and ears on this program that really deserves it you know finney's done a great job uh with this program and the sky is the limit and now Monarch Nation is going to get a chance to be able to listen and interact with baseball more. So super, super exciting. I'm pretty excited to listen to CB give us his insights each week because 
every time he's he's been on the show, he's been. I mean, I, he just knows his team. Yeah, I'm I'm excited for that, and also I know CB goes to pretty much every single home game. I'll be down there for for quite a few this year coming up. So excited about it, and just excited to shine a light on on a program that's been really successful the last few years. Got a new ballpark on the way. Just a lot of momentum going in the right direction at a a, a time when you, know, you can kind of make some good runs in college baseball if you can put together a couple good squads. And we've seen that with Coach Finwood and and what he's been able to do there. And I'm just excited. I can't wait to uh, get more details on the new stadium as well. I'm excited to see Jake Tyser hit home runs again, dude. Now, yes. now you okay? Now, now we're getting excited. I mean that. I'm st- I'm still amazed over the freaking rocket that he hit off the parking garage over the right field fence. I mean, I think there's there's probably a chip out of it. I just picture him carrying his big ass coffee mug in one hand, his bat in the other hand. You know, I it's mean, gonna be it, it's gonna be great. Yeah, the uh, the Bud Bombers will be back in. I think at full force this year. There's some dudes that can absolutely crush a baseball on that roster this year, and Tyser's definitely one of them. Watch out if you're uh, hanging out on top of the chemistry building. They're coming your way. Yeah, I can't wait. Um, all right. So later this week, we will have a new episode with Kieran, obviously, for the basketball show. And then early next week, we'll, we will release that episode with the collective. So look, look out for that. And we also have an episode with Dominic Mueller that we will be releasing in the next couple of weeks to get you ready for tennis season. So Plenty of good basketball content coming out as well, both on the men's side and the women's side. Yeah, a lot going on. I, I love this stuff. So stay tuned. Make sure you subscribe and uh, check odumonarchist.com every day. All right. Go Monarchs. Go Monarchs. Go Ducks and go Monarchs.